What a Saturday in college football. It is 2.25 a.m. here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm a few hours removed from having called the Backyard Brawl. We were about to tape this about an hour ago. We were going to do it, but we said, you know what? Let's just see what's going to happen here in the final two minutes of the Colorado-Colorado State game. And boy, are we glad that we waited. What an incredible comeback by Colorado. Shador Sanders and company backed up in their own end. 98-yard drive, two-point conversion into overtime. Just a phenomenal, phenomenally resilient performance. Nothing going in the first half. Really getting pushed around defensively there at times throughout the game. Colorado State, hats off to Jay Norvell and his team. They played incredibly hard. Very impressed by their personnel, their wide receivers, their quarterback. But Shadur Sanders and company were just too much down the stretch. It was really the weapons for Colorado that ultimately made the difference. And how many different weapons had to emerge tonight en route to what was an incredible comeback victory there in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. We will break that game down in its entirety on the Monday edition of Always College Football. But it was a chaotic day in college football, I might add. It got started with Florida State and Boston College. Looked like BC had things going there for a little while, and then it flipped immediately. Florida State there in the second half, even though it didn't look like Jordan Travis was anywhere near 100% at times, they, of course, just pulled away, and then, boom, you blink your eyes a couple times. Next thing you know, Boston College is back in the game. Florida State survives what was a chaotic one, setting up what should be an excellent showdown between them and Clemson, who looked pretty good, I might add, against FAU. Defense coming together, offense starting to figure it out. Clemson and Florida State next week is going to be awesome. I can't wait to preview that one as the game goes along, as the week goes along, excuse me. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Penn State and Illinois, Illinois just a turnover city. Goodness gracious alive. So many turnovers. Altmeyer picks. Penn State's secondary is excellent. And I thought while the Nittany Lions maybe didn't have everything going offensively today, especially in the red zone, it was a gritty defensive performance that made that thing look a little bit better than it was. A lot to clean up, though, I think, for Penn State as they move forward, knowing that the competition will strengthen here as they move into the Big Ten. LSU, maybe the performance of the day. Going on the road to a Mississippi State team that hadn't looked great at this point, but offensively and defensively, LSU just completely dominant. Jaden Daniels, it was the best I've probably ever seen him play in an LSU uniform, which is saying something because he's had some great performances. The ball almost never hit the ground. I mean, Malik Neighbors was uncoverable. They were able to hit him in the slot on the slot fade multiple times. Timely fourth down conversions from LSU. That escaped them, obviously, a couple weeks ago against Florida State, but they definitely were able to figure it out today against Mississippi State. LSU looking like they are, at worst, the second-best team in the SEC. Kansas State, Missouri. How about... Mevis kicking a 61-yard field goal at the gun to get it done for Mizzou. Brady Cook, I thought, played phenomenally well, had a great game, and obviously probably talk about this a little bit on Monday, the ovation or lack thereof of what he received when he walked out there was, I thought, a little uncalled for, but a great win for Eli Drinkwitz and being able to get the job done. Slow starts kind of across the board today when you look at just some of these performances. Florida State starting slow. Georgia starting really slow. I thought Spencer Rattler and the offense for South Carolina had a really good plan. They got the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. He was decisive. He moved around. He, he was able to create. That was the first half, but got to play two halves in college football. You look at the pressure and the way things ramped up for Georgia there in the second half, really starting to attack defensively. And that was the defensive performance I thought that I was going to get from them every single week. It wasn't to be there in the first half of the game, but they found it in the second half. And I thought they did a good job settling in offensively. They ran the ball, it felt like, with a little bit more efficiency. And then it opened up some things in the passing attack. Alabama's got issues. Alabama's got a lot of issues. The offensive line continues to be a huge liability in pass protection. They weren't able to move guys off the ball as often as they should. Credit to South Florida. They played hard. They played physical. Thought their quarterback did some nice things on the quarterback run game, but Alabama's got a whole host of issues. We will break down their quarterback situation in Monday's edition of Always College Football. But based on what we saw today, Looks like Tyler Buckner's not going to be a factor in that quarterback race anymore. He looked erratic. He looked uncomfortable. He looked inaccurate. Just didn't really do a whole lot that would inspire a whole lot of confidence. Although Ty Simpson did do some good things, but the protection on the left side in particular is going to be something they have to address at some point because Caden Proctor, the true freshman, is really struggling right now in pass protection. One of the best performances of the day, I thought, came from the Oklahoma Sooners. Just absolutely dominant. 28-point first quarter, five interceptions, a group that struggled at times defensively last year. It looks like they have significantly improved on that side of the ball. Quietly, North Carolina, not a lot of people, I think, talking about this game after the fact. Drake May a couple picks, but a big game statistically for Drake May, which should come as no surprise. The guy is incredibly elite. Moving on to the rest of the games there in the 330 window, I thought Ohio State looked Phenomenal. And look, I think Western Kentucky is a good football team. 
They didn't look that way today, but we have talked for a while about the Ohio State quarterback situation, the protection issues, the offensive lines inconsistencies, but what we haven't probably spent enough time on, and we will, I promise you we will, what we haven't spent enough time on is just how improved Ohio State is defensively. They've taken significant strides on that side of the ball. The Jim Knowles year two experience so far for Buckeye faithful has to be a really really positive sign for where they're heading here now that they've solidified their quarterback situation, knowing that things will strengthen here in the coming weeks. If you can find a quarterback right now that's playing better than Michael Penix, please find him for me. I'm watching him against Michigan State, and we know Michigan State, at least in recent years, has had their fair share of struggles there in the secondary. Even when they had a great season a couple years ago, the secondary has been problematic. Well, problems times a hundred when you're playing against the passing attack that Washington brought to East Lansing today, just a complete drubbing 35 point first half Penix completely all over. I think he had 210 yards in the first 20 minutes of the ball game. The guy is just off the charts. He's playing so confidently. His weapons are sensational. And what I was really impressed with is that this group defensively appears to have taken a step we had questions about the Washington secondary coming into the season. I don't know if Michigan State's necessarily the team that can expose a group like that in the back end, but either way, Kim never really looked comfortable, and I thought that that Washington group really did an excellent job from start to finish. Other notable performances in the nightcap, Florida. What a huge win for Billy Napier. He was very, very confident all week. Talking to people around the program, they felt like they had a really good opportunity sitting right in front of them. And if you look at how they were able to control the line of scrimmage, a ton of missed tackles from Tennessee. They came into that game as one of the most disruptive defensive fronts. But we wondered, was it more about Tennessee or was it more about the competition that they were playing against? That clearly it was the latter. The competition clearly not great. Tennessee getting exposed a little bit along the defensive front and Florida doing an excellent job there in the first half of that football game, mixing run pass and doing the things that they needed to do to stay on schedule. As far as Joe Milton, things are still not where they need to be offensively for the Tennessee Volunteers. A lot of things that they need to iron out, but a massive win for Billy Napier to get things done there in the swamp in what was a convincing victory against a team that was currently ranked prior to that game in the top 11. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Michigan, not great. Obviously on the offensive side of the football, some things that they definitely need to iron out. That's been three games now where things offensively, J.J. McCarthy has had his certain, certainly had his moments at times, but this was not one of those times. First two games, he'd been playing great, not a great day-to-day as J.J. McCarthy and the Michigan Wolverines get things done. Thanks to Blake Corum, a couple touchdowns. They went convincingly, but obviously Rutgers next week. I don't know if Rutgers is going to give them a whole lot of trouble, but there's a lot to iron out for Michigan right now on the offensive side of the football. Ole Miss thought for a moment that they might be without Quinshawn Judkins, but they get it done against Georgia Tech. Fourth down stop there for Georgia Tech early in the first half was a big backbreaker, and they just couldn't quite close the gap. So credit to Lane Kiffin and that staff for getting things done. I mentioned several slow starts today. Texas in a dogfight. By the way, Wyoming has been a handful for a few teams. A few teams here in the first couple weeks of the season. We all know that they beat Texas Tech, but they go on the road to Austin and make life very difficult for a Texas team that you thought, or at least I did, I thought the Texas team was going to come out focused. They were going to carry over the performance from last week, but they didn't. They came out sloppy. They came out a little bit hesitant, and it just was not a good performance from the Longhorns, but obviously plenty to clean up as they move forward. This was one of those weeks where it was just kind of a survive and advance, right? survive and advance because it was not one of those weeks. Look at it coming in. No great, crazy matchups. You're going to get some of these big time underdogs. They're going to play their Super Bowl. They're going to play a great performance. And it just didn't really materialize. So it was a survive and advance type of week. But it was one that was really leaving a lot to be desired in some particular cases with how teams performed over the course of 60 minutes. Some of the best performances I witnessed, Shador Sanders in the final, gosh, 20 minutes of that Colorado game, off the charts good. I was very impressed with what I saw up close and personal from West Virginia. West Virginia's offensive line, they lose Garrett Green six, seven, eight minutes into the game. Nico Markiel has to go in their backup quarterback, and they were able to physically impose their will against a pit team that has a whole host of issues on the offensive side of the football. Phil Jerkovic, a couple interceptions, a couple bad decisions. And as a result, they get run out of the gym. And what was, I will say this, I've called a bunch of rivalry games. I've called Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, played in the Iron Bowl, have been around a lot of great rivalry games. And I've always said the most hostile one that I've witnessed as a broadcaster was the Egg Bowl. I think there's an I, if there's not a new number one, there's at worst a one B <laughs> to the one A that is the egg bowl because that one's crazy hostile and like I said, have not done Michigan Ohio State, have not done some of the others, but I've done USC UCLA, I've done a bunch of really cool rivalry games. That one should be on every single college football fans bucket list. Highly recommend the backyard brawl. It was a real experience today to be in the booth for that and to witness. West Virginia beating Pitt for the first time in Morgantown since 2011. A great day of college football. We will clean it all up on the Monday edition of Always College Football. Please continue to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the podcast. And check back with us on Monday for a comprehensive breakdown on what was week three 
of the college football season. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jake and for Jack, thank you guys for staying up late with me. I couldn't get enough college football tonight. I was wired, baby. I had to just lock it in all the way. And to Coobs, who unfortunately decided to go to sleep at halftime of the Colorado-Colorado State game, you only have yourself to blame, my friend. We love you always, college football fans. We appreciate you guys, and we'll be back with you on Monday.